Welcome to the audio ministry of Grove Park Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. We pray you will be blessed by today's message. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Exodus chapter 20. You never know what's going to fly out of children's mouths. Last night we got home and we're watching the Notre Dame uh, Louisville football game and they showed the Notre Dame quarterback on the sideline and Scarlett says, Jesus plays football? Now for those of you who don't know who Sam Hartman is, he does bear a striking resemblance to Jesus as we conceptualize him and so she said, Jesus plays football. I will say that Jesus is often called on at football games, and I'll leave that there. Exodus 20, would you pray with me? Lord, we will go on in grace alone, and we need, Lord, that grace now to help us to hear from you. So speak, Lord, words of truth and wisdom to us as we study yet again another well-known passage. Lord, help us to understand that these are not just the script for some Hollywood movie with Charlton Heston, but these are, ro- these are rules, Lord, for us to hear and to integrate into ourselves. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the persistent underlying themes of the Exodus narrative is that the people of God are to be a people on the move. Now, we may be called to camp occasionally from place to place, but on the whole, God expects us to be moving. Clearly, we see that not just in the Exodus account, but you will recall in the Great Commission. The Scripture says, as you are going, make disciples. It doesn't say as you are staying. It says, as you are going, make disciples. So in all of our going, the question arises, what are the rules that we should use to govern our going? What are the rules for the road? God lays down what some consider the big rules for the road in our morning text. Now, one of the problems we have as good disciples is that we read this list and think of the the fact that, well, because we're good disciples, we don't ever cross the line on these Big rules for the road. One Sunday I was at the door at Enfield 
And one of our members came up to me and said, uh, you know, Mark, every Sunday you get up and you'll preach on sin. And she said, and I think to myself, well, I don't murder, I don't steal, I don't do any of that, so why is he preaching on sin? And she said, it dawned on me this morning that I should move beyond just the big rules and understand that there are other things that I could be doing that are sinful. And so this morning, beloved, I'd like for us to reconceptualize how we view the Ten Commandments in order to become better travelers on the pilgrim's path. First, we should always engage in 180 degree navigational awareness. Now when, when I get in the car and I crank it, this little screen pops up and it tells me that it's got the things on on the side that will tell me if I'm too close to the edge or uh, if there's a car in my blind spot and it has this thing that points forward and says if there's something ahead of me that I'm about to run into, it will alert me to it. Hence, 180 degree navigational awareness. The first four commandments that we have here in the text this morning, beloved, deal with our relationship with God. In other words, our direct relationship up and down with God. The remaining six deal with how we treat those who are around us. Hence, a 180 degree sphere of relationships, of, of, of directions on how we are to go. Beloved, this morning, do you ever take stock of how your actions will impact those who are traveling in the lane beside you in life. I don't mean just when you're on 85. I mean when you're at lunch today or you're in a committee meeting or you're in a Sunday school class or you're serving somewhere in some capacity. Do you ever think to yourself, what I can do right now may cause someone to take their eyes off of the road and veer into a ditch. You say, well, I don't know that they're around me. Hence why you need 180 degree navigational awareness. You know, when I went off to Carolina, I was so excited I was going to be able to drive and you know, for a boy who the biggest road he ever had was four lanes through Richlands, to get up to Raleigh was a big deal. And I was all excited about that. I was excited about being able to be on the interstate and drive 70 miles an hour, maybe a little beyond that because I was only 19. And, and you know, we'll leave that for another day. Um, but uh, I, I was all excited about that. And, 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 and my grandmother and my parents, they, they all wanted to talk to me about driving. And I finally, I looked at one of them and I said, I know how to drive. And I went through this whole list of the reasons why I knew how to drive, including who taught me and how he had taught my dad and all this other stuff. And finally, one of them said, 
Mark, it's not you and your driving we're concerned about. It's everybody else around you. Beloved, similar thought for us. We should be concerned about our driving. And we should be concerned about how our, our driving helps or impedes those around us. You know, when you look at a, another story that occurs on a road one day, you see two of the first characters in that story don't have any concern at all for the people who are also on the path with them. But there came one named the Good Samaritan who was concerned about the other people on the path. And Jesus held him up as the instrument of grace instead of the people who obeyed all of the rules and did all of the right things. Jesus said, be like him. In other words, engage that awareness. Beloved, if you, if you engage that awareness with those who are traveling in the lanes beside you, I guarantee you your relationship with God will grow deeper and more meaningful and more grace-filled and more direct. And you will not have to worry about yourself running off into a ditch. Beloved, how are you using your awareness this morning. Next, notice that we should obey posted speed limits. Everything in the Ten Commandments screams for us to slow down and live within limits. Limits in our worship versus uh, Commandments 1 and 2. Limits in our speech Commandments 3 and 9. Com limits in our schedule, Commandment 4. Limits in our emotions, Commandments 5, 6, and 7. Com limits in our wants, Commandments 8 and 10. We are to live within limits. And beloved, I don't worry this much about you all blowing through the limits like you're 19, driving down I-40 out in the middle of nowhere, Duplin County. I do worry, though, about you using this rule. Well, I'm just five over. I don't worry about you just blowing through the limits. I worry about you and me saying, well, just a little bit over is okay. They're not going to pull me if I'm five over. God's not going to care if I'm five over on commandment number four or commandment number six. Clearly, though, beloved, he wants us to live within our limits. You know, an example of this would be, you know, we see something on Facebook and we repost it without verifying it. We just say, well, it's on Facebook, therefore I will repost it. Or whatever your social media preference is. Or we hear something particularly juicy. We may have saw it on the news. It may not even be something very salacious. But we just tell it to the next person and tell it to the next person without taking any moment to verify whether or not it's true. 
Beloved, if it's not true, what have you done? You have bore false witness. That's what that is. You say, well, I can't help it. I, I saw it. Well, beloved, if you see it, then you certainly know how to go to Google and figure it out. Just yesterday, I, I, I've been trying to keep up with what's going on in Israel, and I, I get this alert that says that the prime minister of Israel has been rushed from headquarters to a hospital. And I'm like, well, it's about to go, it's about to get bad. And so I'm, what do I do? I go to verify it. Well, the account that the one friend had shared it from was a fake account for the Jerusalem Post. And I go to the Jerusalem Post and it's not there. And finally, the, the friend comes back and says, oh, it was, it was fake news. It was not true. This is a fake account. But guess what? It's already out there. It's already out there. You know, beloved, it's real easy to go five over. And in an age and time where there is rampant misinformation, you and I need to be careful not just on bearing false witness, but on everything else that we say, well, it's just five over. Now, we'll say five over, but we'll also do something else. We'll, we'll say that, well, you know, I'm going 80 miles an hour out here because that's the flow of traffic. I've got to keep up with the flow of traffic. And yet, beloved, the law for Israel, and really the people of Israel, and likewise for us is, one of the great hallmarks of it, is the fact that it was radically different from every other civilization around it. Sabbath, commandment four, is radically different. Everybody else just worked all the time. Jews worked six days, took one day off. The cities of refuge where you could run to if you had killed somebody by mistake and you could go there and find refuge, unheard of. The economic structure of the year of Jubilee in which Israel took a whole year off from farming and everything else, unheard of. The basic structure of what God is trying to do here in the text is to declare them radical revolutionaries. And you and I don't want to be called radical, and we don't want to be called revolutionaries, but as disciples of Jesus, that's what we are called to be. And beloved, you can't do that if you are keeping up with the flow of traffic. You cannot do that. If you are following along everyone else. You see, beloved, the limits here are not meant to impede us, but are meant to open up the gateway of God's grace for unimpeded grace and mercy in our lives through these limits. So how well are you following the speed limits today? How well are you? Are you five over? Seven over? Well, they won't pull me for nine over. Or are you just keeping up with the flow 
follow the limits, beloved. Now, I recognize that it's hard sometimes to keep the speed limit because road conditions and situations sometimes shift. And we might not see the sign. It might go from, say, 65 to 70, or it may go from 70 to 65, or uh, there's a little town in South Georgia. We would go to see my aunt and uncle in uh, Quitman, out from Valdosta. We'd have to go through this little town just for Valdosta, and my uncle warned me. He said, Mark, when you're coming, he said, you're, it's 65. He said, they don't put a sign up to change the limits, but there's a cop sitting behind a bale of hay. And it's 35. So when you see this, and I can't remember the name of the town right now to save my life. The equivalent of it in North Carolina is Whitaker's. But when you, when you see that sign, welcome to whatever, he said, stop. <laughs> just, just, just stop and get down to 35. It's all changing, right? It's all changing. And, and if, with GPS, it's great because GPS will tell you what the, what the speed limit is. It'll tell you if it's gone up or gone down. The whole trip we had this summer, I was continuously asking Eliza, what is the speed limit? Because I hadn't seen a sign. She'd just pull it up and she'd say, well, it's 65. I don't know if she subtracted or added. I haven't figured out yet which, but she'd say it's 65. Are you aware of when the speed limit changes? Now, before we delve into following the other parts of navigational direction, some of you may be asking, if God is timeless, how does the speed limit change? Don't the rules of God abide constantly? Well, beloved, recall that Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount takes, at its very beginning, some of this morning's text. And while everyone there that day would probably say, well, I have, I'm very good at not murdering somebody, Jesus changes the speed limit on them. And he says, it's not just murder. Is there anger in your heart towards your brother? Because if there is, then you are also guilty of murder. You see, beloved, we have to be aware of when the speed limit changes according to God. And so we have these navigational guides. The fifth commandment, verse 12, is at the heart of one of these navigational guides. It's particularly so in our formative years. And beloved, we should recognize that there are more than just parents that God puts in our lives to help guide us to keep the rules of the road. Our question should be, are we following them? Are we following them? And secondly... We should also look at verses 1 and 2 that point to a completely different guide. Verse 1 says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, 
out of the house of slavery. God says, listen to me. If I was good enough to direct you out of bondage, a bondage that you couldn't get out of yourself, a bondage that you had no hope of escaping from, I'm also good enough for you to listen to right now when you are free. Follow me. Hence, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. One of the most pressing questions for us then this morning, beloved, is not simply are we following the navigational guides, but are we following them to get to where we need to go? And is God trying to get us where we need to go by speeding us up and we keep trying to slow God down? The plain truth is that we are all very comfortable just sort of plugging along, right? When sometimes God wants to pick, us, pick up the pace a little bit for us and He gives us clear pushes, clear guides to say speed up and we just like to keep at our own pace because it's easier. Can you keep up this morning, beloved, with the pace of grace and mercy that's found in Scripture? You see, very often you and I think of God's patience as limiting. God is limiting Himself from, from unleashing wrath. But, but I like to think of it, though, as simply God's patience is He's moving wrath outside because He's trying to speed up grace and mercy to get us where He wants us to be. And we simply don't seek to follow the navigational guide. Mark, does God ever speed up? He's on time, right? Well, let me say something, beloved. Sometimes to be on time, you got to speed up. But I'll also give you this other example, also from Jesus, in which Jesus says that there's a father who has a child who has left the hold, left the, the safety of the fold, and has gone off to a far country. And that father is evidently continuously on a lookout. And that father goes from standing still to running toward that son when that son comes back. Now, beloved, that's a speed up of unimaginable pace to show grace. Are we keeping up with God's pace today as He guides us along? Or are we throttling it back for our own benefit to the detriment of others? Finally, we should always make sure that we are taking detours at God's direction and not ours. I am horrible about detours. I'll be driving along somewhere and I see a sign I refer to them as historical markers. Eliza refers to them as hysterical markers because it will drive her hysterically crazy sometimes. There's one uh, we, we got uh, when we first started dating and I would make the trip up to Snow Hill on the eastern shore of Maryland. Uh, well, at that point it's Virginia near Cape Charles. We would go past it and 
we go past it on the way back and we kept doing this and for multitude of trips we kept going through and we and it just had us a point and it said Custis's tomb so we'd go by there and I'd say to Eliza well who's Custis I don't know have you ever been there no well, what do you mean? You, I mean, there's not that much to see on the eastern shore. You haven't been here? They put a marker out for it. No, Mark, I haven't been. Well, one day we're going up, and as I crossed the bay tunnel, I said, when I see that sign, I'm turning left. Don't say a word to Eliza. Get up there to it. Turn that blinker on. Tick, 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 tick. Because when you go up north, you've got to use your blinker. And so she says, where are you going? I'm going to Custis's tomb. So we follow the directions back to Custis's tomb, and I wind up in some guy's backyard. And I get out to go see Custis's tomb, and beloved, it is nothing as exciting as that sign out there on 13 makes it out to be. And you say, well, Mark, who, who is Custis? Well, there's three of them out there, if my memory serves me. And ultimately, the Custises will create uh, daughters, one of whom will marry uh, George Washington, and the other one who will marry Robert E. Lee. So that's why the, the sign is there. You know what, beloved? I could have gone my whole life and never been to Custis's tomb. I've been subsequently. It's, not, it's still not exciting. We take detours thinking they're going to be exciting. Or we take detours because other people tell us that they're going to be exciting. And really, we need to stay on the path. People, beloved, in this world would love to get you off of the path. We started by saying, are you getting other people off the path? We conclude with the thought of, are we letting other people get us off of the path? And beloved, it is a choice. It is our choice. We can, can get lost in the ever-pulling narratives of our society that raise to a virtuous level coveting and materialism or we can hear what God says, you shall not covet here at the end of the rules. We can say, well, you know how fast the world's going. I just don't have time anymore. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I can't keep Sabbath. Or you can say, I'm going to choose. This is what I'm going to do. Now, I know that sometimes that ox gets in the ditch. Jesus understood that. But really at the heart of it, beloved, is a choice. It's a choice. And we can keep running ourselves in the ground on Sabbath keeping. Or we can rest and reflect and grow closer to God, which is His model. Regardless, though, beloved, in any number of things, there are detours, detours that will keep us from getting to the promised land. And the question is, are we taking them? Because clearly here are rules for the road. Here are rules to the road that will take you through your spiritual pilgrimage, your physical life, and everything else far better than anything that the North Carolina DMV has ever produced. Anything that your Google Maps can come up with. 
or your Apple Maps. And we have to choose to follow. So, how are you doing on the rules of the road today? Do you need to reacquaint with them? Do you need to maybe go to a little bit of spiritual driving school with God? Whatever it is, beloved, you get the choice right now to determine what you're going to do with it. Are you at His speed? That's for you. But I pray you hear Him. Let's pray. Speak, Lord. You spoke to Moses with these rules. And Lord, they have been used to guide people through innumerable centuries. But Lord, I, I confess that I make horrible, horrible choices when following these rules sometimes. And I dare say, Lord, there's not a person in here, there's not a person listening who doesn't as well. Because we're not perfect. And so, Lord, in our imperfection, give us grace to get back on track. To follow the rules. To not think of them as limitations, but think of them as as blown up barriers in which grace and mercy and goodness can flow to us. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021. Please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit groveparkchurch.net. And remember, grace abound. Thank you.